Welcome to episode 8 of the Arbor Vitae podcast, promoting virtue in woodworking. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Jonathan Conrad. And we'll be your co-hosts for today. Our mission is to explore how different virtues influence the way we live and work in the shop, how virtues contribute to the fruitfulness of our labor, and to highlight those who are making significant contributions to this great woodworking community. And today, we are very happy to bring you a special guest host, aren't we, Jonathan? Yes. Spoiler alert, it's my brother, Daniel Taylor. Daniel, welcome. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Uh, He's been a uh, longtime listener, first-time guest host of the podcast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's our biggest fan. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you can't actually see it because this is an audio podcast, but he's wearing one of those foam fingers that says like Arbor Vitae number one, you know, fan. and a hat <laughs> and a hat. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're very happy to have him on um, and we're very happy to have a regular listener, actually. Um, so, you know, two birds with one stone. Pinko. <laughs> <laughs> so, um why don't we let our guest go first? Uh, Daniel, what has been going on in your shop? Sure. So got a couple of irons in the fire right now. Um, the, the big one is the garage, of course, that you've been talking about. Right. Um, so big milestone there. We're almost done the sheathing of the outside. Um, and the um, roof trusses will be next. So we have a, a those are planned for delivery. We'll be craning those up in uh, two weekends from now. And, just a um, little daunting. Just a little daunting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but thankfully, you know, it's it, so Adam and I are are building this garage with our dad, and um, you know, he taught. I, you've mentioned it, Adam. You know, he taught carpentry for uh, thirty years before he retired, and it is incredible to me how much he has in his head about the building process. Definitely. I mean, now granted, I mean, the man built houses, you know, every, every year or two years, you know, for, for 30 years, but he's got it down and, and it is incredible because, you know, the whole process of, of building a building to me is, is extraordinarily daunting. I just don't know how he does it. He knows exactly what step to do, exactly which board to place at what spot. <laughs> right. It's incredible to me. So that's, uh, he does it with practice and fortitude. Practice and fortitude. Definitely. Well, and it's like not not only does he know how to build a house, but he knows how to build a house according to code. Like he has he has best practices in his mind, but he also has like different measurements and things and and you know how large a window has to be before it needs to be double jacked and just all these like facts and things which all the builders are out there are probably like, well, yeah, duh, that's common sense, but like for those of us <laughs> For those of us who aren't builders, it's like that's that's super impressive. Like to be able to, you know, be like a, essentially a walking code book in addition to all of the actual skills that you need to have for for building a house. Well, that's sure. why I think it's so cool that you guys get that opportunity because, you know, you're instead of like, oh, I've never done this before. I think I'm going to go build a garage. Says <laughs> a lot of stupid people actually, <laughs> but you're you know you have the opportunity to actually. Learn from somebody who, you know, a master in the trade, um, there's there's a tr- tremendous value in that. So, Daniel, basically, since Adam's not posting anything about it, why don't you start posting? Hey, I posted something the other day. Come it's on. like one picture in three months. We, need to, we want to see more. No one That's else is true. building a garage right now. So That's true. All, All right. right. Mission accepted. Mission yeah. accepted. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's that's the big one. Um, the you know the bunk beds we're, we're working on those. I'll let you talk about that, Adam. And um, the only other thing I, I have going on right now is um, I'm working on a vestment stand um, project. So um, it is for for the church, and it's um, basically a, a, a very simple piece of furniture that's used. Um, during uh, liturgies, dur- during the Mass or various services to um, hold the priest's vestments um, if he's not wearing them at, at that time, um, to hold them in a dignified manner so that they're um, easily accessible for different parts of the liturgy. Um, it's a love and hate project in that <laughs> I love that I have the opportunity to build it Everything that can go wrong has been going wrong, and I won't get into details right now, but it's one of those projects where right now I'm kind of weighing the compromise, you know, do I, uh, do I continue on with this project that I'm increasingly unhappy with, or do I scrap it and start over, so... It's maybe we'll get into that when we talk about. Uh, I was going to say, where did here. you get the inspiration for this topic? <laughs> Busted! <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Our listeners will understand that more when they find out what the topic is. Yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> Daniel, then one more question for you as, as as a guest: what's your what's your favorite tool that you have? Uh so my favorite tool is actually brand new. Um, I got it for Christmas this past year. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you were going to say it was me. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite tool is my brother. Such a tool. <laughs> no comment. Sorry. <clears throat> so my favorite tool is um, uh, is a uh, Lee Valley Veritas apron plane uh, that my wife got me for Christmas uh, nice. this past year. Um, it's for those who aren't familiar, it's essentially a very small block plane. Um, that is, I think the blade is an inch and a quarter wide. Um, and it is one of the most useful little tools, uh, that I've come across. Um, it's very easy to hold in one hand and to use for a variety of tasks, whether it's, you know, formal chamfering or just easing over, uh, corners, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, shaving, end grain, etc. Um, it's just really, really handy to have around. Um, so I'd say right now, that's that's definitely my favorite. Sounds good. I'll I'll spare you my Phil Lowe impression, um, but you know Phil Lowe, he's it's a carpenter's yeah, tool. It's a carpenter's tool. <laughs> <laughs> a blo- block plane is a carpenter's tool. <laughs> you do that pretty so well. Didn't... I didn't actually spare anyone. My nope, you didn't. <laughs> For the record, let the but you didn't disappoint us. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, I and I can see where he's talking about because you know anything that you use a, a block plane for in theory, you could use another tool for in a woodworking shop. But why would you? You know, if you have one, like I, w- I would never tell anyone to go out and buy a block plane before something else because it is kind of a well, it's not a single use tool, but. You can do more things with a bigger plane, I think, and you could technically use that. So I think it's it's one of those where, uh, I don't know, there are probably a lot of people who are going to disagree with me, but I've already put my foot in my mouth, so I may as well keep going. Uh, I I think it's extremely useful, and I I can say this from experience. I went three months without one. I had mm-hmm. one. I traded it for a microphone. You know, gr- <laughs> it worked. Great trade. Uh, it sounds like it was a good trade. Yeah, I think it was. 
Oh, but sorry. for for three months, all I had was a number five, and I was doing chamfers with a number five, and that's not uh-huh. fun. <laughs> well, that's it's very not awkward. Fun. It's not fun, but if you know, was it was it to the point where if you didn't have the money, you would have spent the money over other things that you couldn't do with a number five? Um, it was just you know, it's just awkward. Gotcha, gotcha. So now that I you know I I went on a tool buying binge, although it was all money that I had gotten from Christmas and stuff like that, but I knew what I needed at that point. And so I got that's number 60 and a half. Well, it's a craftsman, but it's the equivalent of a Stanley 16 and a half with the adjustable throat. Okay. And it is just, it's just amazing. Um, (laughs) And so is that number, the number three. Uh, But it's like, I knew that I, that's what I needed because I've only been using a number five for so long. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all I can say is it's a good thing that you used money that was appropriate to spend there because now you have like 87 different people who would hold you accountable. Right. Because that's exactly. basically, that's the the, numbers the number of up. unique listeners of from our last episode. So 87 people would be like, Jonathan, man, come on, <laughs> practice what you preach. Yeah. You hypocrite. <laughs> so jonathan uh, what do you have going on in your shop so i've got uh i haven't made any progress on the on the king bed uh partly because i get in these you know i start a project and i never i i never have full plans i have some pencil sketches sometimes i do some sketchup stuff Mm -hmm. but i typically just use sketchup to visualize in my head like some joinery i never stick to the plan i always just kind of go just build as i go well i'm mentally stuck on a couple of problems and so like until i solve them in my head i i'm 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 blocked so i i kind of put that aside for uh for a week or two um and, and i was in san francisco last week uh but i started I started a couple new boxes. So all I've done so far is just do the dimensioning where I've got, I've got all the boards ripped uh, and smooth and ready for the, I'm, I'm just going to make some, some basic miter boxes, but I want to, or miter joints for the boxes. But what I want to do is I want to have a, a slight rounding around the edge oh, around okay. the whole box. So it will, I don't know how to describe it other than, you know, like you guys can see what I'm doing. It'll just have a slight curve around like the edge of the box. So it'll, I'll shape the box. And I wanted a simple miter joint so that the shape would okay. not be uh, overwhelmed with like complex joint or anything like that. Gotcha. So the, the, all of the sides of the box will kind of bow out a little bit. And there will uh, be a curve to it rather than straight sides. Right. But it'll curve. Okay. It'll the middle section of it be the widest. Like it'll that okay, will be the gotcha. fattest part and it'll narrow in to the top and narrow into the bottom. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Miters seem like a good, good choice yeah. there. So I've started that. Those are all going to be in Walnut. Um, and that's what I've got. And then I've got a huge pile of Walnut shavings on the floor, which is <laughs> so much fun. Awesome. What about you, Adam? Um, well, this is going to come as a shock, but, uh, I have this bunk bed and this garage that I've also (laughs) been working on. (laughs) 
Um, one cool thing is hopefully all of our listeners follow us on Instagram, but um, <clears throat> I did post a picture of our three nieces on the bed. Um, they love it. And it's to the point where, you know, before they were, they were sleeping on mattresses on the floor, which sounds horrible. Like, why would you do that to your kids? But they're kids. They love it. Like they, they think it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. But not quite awesome enough that, you know, they want to be there all the time. Right. Um, for instance, when they would take their naps during the day, because, uh, our parents actually watch the two younger, um, nieces because they are not in school yet. And so when they take their naps during the day, they would sleep on the couch in the living room instead of in their bed. Well, I remember the the first day after we brought their new bed in, when it was time for them to take their naps, they said, can we sleep in our new bed for our naps? And that was just the coolest thing. You know, <laughs> the fact that they would choose to sleep in the new bed over the couch, which they preferred to their old bed, was really cool. So Yeah, that was, bed looks amazing. I'm impressed. Thank you. Yeah, we, we've thank been you. working really hard on it so <laughs> so and there therein i would like to point out one of the big differences see jonathan when you describe your use of sketchup i can really relate to that you know i i think that's how normal people use sketchup oh here it comes you ought to see the sketchup <laughs> file that adam has for this bed i mean he has every single little fastener just no, drawn I in. don't no, have it's fasteners. Not that I don't have fasteners. <laughs> but he's I was got tempted. it. I didn't. He's do it. got it down to a detail. I mean, every <laughs> piece of wood that is on that bed is in that SketchUp file. It is. It's impressive to see. It's interesting because everybody does it differently. Like I know yeah. that Tyler does it the same way. We had him as our feature craftsman a couple episodes ago. Um, and part of it's, you know, he's an engineer at heart, right? And so right. he enjoys that part of the process of, and he doesn't do every project that way, but a lot of projects he does that way, and they turn out exactly the way they were planned to turn out. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just funny how diff- how everyone does it differently um, based on, I guess, the aspect of woodworking they enjoy the most. I'm more artistic, I think. I mean, kind of that's how I kind of grew up, and so... I don't enjoy, maybe it's just laziness. I don't know what it is, but I really just don't <laughs> like following directions. Sure. Uh, even if it's my own directions, it's, I just, <laughs> then if, then if I want to be lazy, I can't be. And I like, everything has to be the, the, the right exact measurement. Otherwise it doesn't fit the puzzle. I just don't have the discipline for it. Yeah. <clears throat> I have to say, in, in my defense, there are a couple of reasons why I did that. The first is, um, this was supposed to be a budget-minded project. And so one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to plan out the best use of materials. You know, we used construction-grade lumber. We used the nice kind of lumber that you can buy at the home store, which is still far from the nicest lumber you could get at a lumber yard. But, um, you know, the idea was to cut costs and to make something that in the end, cost less than the version that our sister could have bought on Amazon. So um, part of the reason for putting every piece into the SketchUp file was to make sure that I could then plan out, um, you know, oh, well, the bed is this long uh, just because, but like we actually have an inch or so to spare. So if I shorten these, then I can get these pieces out of one piece and we don't have to buy another piece of lumber, you know, so. I've done that as well with cabinet designs. Yes, Definitely. 
Yeah, especially when the when the dimensions aren't hard and fast. Like if you're not making it for one specific use, and you know, I have to fit this thing in this piece of furniture, and it's got to be these dimensions. You know. Yep. It's a little easier to do that. Um, the The second thing is it it's a very large and complex project, at least for me in my current level of woodworking skill. And it's four separate pieces that all have to work together and fit together and conform to certain like ergonomic standards. Like there are, um, you find a, a couple of conflicting viewpoints, but there are um, rise and run lengths, like standard rise and run lengths for stairs and uh, bed heights and the height between the top of the mattress and the bottom of the bunk bed above it. You know, all of those things like I wanted to have planned out so that I wasn't, you know, going crazy in the shop. And then the third thing, which is kind of lame, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, at the moment, until we get this new shop built, the shop is half an hour away from where I live. So, uh, you know, whatever shop time I have, an hour of that is going to be spent in travel. And there's a lot of times where I want to go to the shop, but I don't have enough time. So working on that SketchUp file was a way that I could be kind of involved with woodworking and planning the woodworking before we actually had to do it. And, and while I couldn't get to the shop, I could be working on this and it was a way of sort of doing woodworking. Which well, it's we'll a talk good a use of your time. Later. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get into that later when we talk about our topic, but um, yep. that's actually a, a pretty good story that I'd like to bring up. But um, Well, so what's the topic? What are we talking about? Well, uh, our topic this week is patience. Patience in the shop. It's something, obviously, that we all deal with as woodworkers. I feel like some of us are more naturally patient than others, and others are just not natural, naturally patient. They're good at other things, but good heavens, you know, they're not patient at all. Um, two of those may not be on one end of this microphone. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know why we're talking about this because I've never had any problem being patient. Oh, right, ever. right. Yeah. I've sure. never thrown anything in the shop or yelled or... Right. Yeah. So we call you St. Jonathan. Yep. That's right. So, uh, <laughs> all, all I will say is I, I was mentioning to my wife that oh yeah oh yeah i'm gonna be on this podcast this week and she asked what the topic was i told her patience and she laughed out loud <laughs> in my face <laughs> she laughed out loud in my face <laughs> because that's kind of guy i am <laughs> yeah well you know virtue virtue is something we practice and we've always tried to make it a point on this show, like, we're not telling you these things because we are paragons of virtue. <laughs> we're not telling you because we're better at it than you are. We're just trying to get everyone, including ourselves, to think about these things. So uh, I can't say that I really exemplify any of the virtues that we've talked about so far. But um, they're all things that I want to exemplify and yep. they're things that I want to improve on. So hopefully our listeners share that sentiment. Um so we did a lot of thinking about patience and we came up with sort of a working definition. Um, it was harder to find an official definition for patience than the, the seven, you know, cardinal and theological virtues. Um, but I think we came up with a, a fairly good definition. Sure. So if you don't mind, before our definition, I'd like to read a quote from one of the catechisms that we uh, looked at when we yeah, were trying sure. to find a definition. This is not from the the official Catholic catechism, this is from a, cate a valid catechism, but a, 
another catechism, and it said, um, In sickness and ill fortune, in the difficulties of our occupations, in weaknesses, let us have serenity of mind for the love of God and bear fruit in patience. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love. I, I really, I really loved that. And so the the working definition that we came up with is that patience is a remedy for anger and a source of self control. Would you all yeah. say that's appropriate? Well done. So, what are the sources of anger in the shop? You know, when you think about it, the source of anger in the shop is when something does not go as planned. It's when an event happens that you are not prepared to handle. Right. Mm-hmm. That. That glue joint slipped after you put those clamps on, and you know it was in the right place when you put those clamps on, <laughs> right? Or, or, or you know, that that mortise that you dry fit at least three times, all of a sudden it's cracking that other board now that you got glue. It. You, you, you know, it, any number of things that can happen uh, that just, I don't know about you guys, but that sends me off the handle. Yep. Or I swear I measured that correctly. I swear it was supposed to be... You know, whatever it was supposed to be, twenty-seven inches, and why is it seventy-two or right. seven or five? Like, I don't understand what happened. Seventy times seven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so when those things happen, there are two ways to respond. You can either continue to just fly off the handle each mm-hmm. time and then be miserable for whatever amount of shop time you have left, or <laughs> you can. Uh, you, you, you can approach that situation with a spirit of patience, which will either help you deal with the situation or, dare I say, avoid the situation in the first place. Right? Right. Well, sure. Well, that's all. I mean, that's pretty true because a lot of times it's the lack of patience that causes you to make a mistake in the first place. Right. Whereas you could become impatient when you make a mistake, but often, at least from my experience, the times I make mistakes are often the times where I'm being impatient. Like, oh, I don't need to make that test cut. I'm sure this is the right way to do it. <laughs> nope, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. We'll put that on your tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> so our first kind of bullet under this topic is patience for the process or patience for growth. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I sort of love and hate about this hobby is that it is a process. It is not just a piece of furniture, perfect, finished at the end of the day, right? Right. right. It is all about the process. Yeah, you don't just think about it or, or open up a plan and boom, the furniture's there. Right. And how disappointing would that be if that were the case? <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially, well, to us woodworkers. Yeah. I mean, to consumers, they, they'd love that. But. I was going to say, our clients would love that. <laughs> right. Clients would love that. Right. Yeah. Right. Except the ones that are actually, you know, they, they're they buying custom furniture because they want the story. You know, they, they, yes. they know the craftsman. They um, help design the piece. You know, uh, Corey and I talked about that on our interview last week. So Yeah, and I think our true customers, our true clients do appreciate, you know, I think there's something meaningful about spending spending good money on a quality product and and waiting and being patient to wait for it it's almost enhances that experience because you know it was made with love right the secret ingredient yep. is love <laughs> it sure is <laughs> so yeah and i think it's important to 
realize that as woodworkers, especially when we're getting impatient, um, when when a skill is taking us too long to master, or um, you know we've we have to make these three test cuts, or we're trying out a new finish and we have to, you know, put finish on test boards, which no one ever does, but everyone says that you should always do. <laughs> we did that for the bunk beds, and as you know, as a result. It, it was one of the first times I had ever done a test piece. I've never finishing. done that ever. Yeah. I mean, it's always like <laughs> ever. I've Good also never. Yeah. Well, it's not like I, uh, every piece I make, I put a new finish on, but every finish that I was comfortable with, I had started out doing on an actual piece instead of a, a test piece. And I was very, very fortunate that either things didn't go wrong or they at least didn't go so wrong that I couldn't fix them. But for this bunk bed, we did uh, we did test boards. And part of that was so that our sister could choose the color that she wanted because we mixed our own variation of milk paint um, from, from three different colors. But the other part was neither of us had ever used milk paint before. And milk paint is weird. It's very weird. It's just bizarre. Like, it's, it's in a class of its own. Like, all of, you know, you can kind of lump... The, the sort of typical wood finishes that you use as like oil-based finishes and non-oil-based finishes or or um, layer-building finishes or finishes that dissolve into each other. Milk paint is none of those things, and it doesn't act like any of those things. So while that may not have been the reason we did the test boards, I'm really glad that we did the test boards. And by we, I mean Daniel. I'm really glad that Daniel did the test boards. <laughs> But in my defense, he lives by the shop. So, um, you know, we did those test boards. We knew that, for instance, um, they said that you had to mix it up and wait, what, like 15 minutes before you started using it? But you found in the test board that it was easier to mix it up and let it sit for an hour before you put it on. Right, right. It was more homogenous after after an hour of time instead of just... 15 right. minutes, right? So had we not had the patience to do that with sample boards and had we tried that on the project itself, it would have been 45 minutes of hell, you know, trying to spread this stuff on wood that, that where it wasn't ready, you know, to go on there. Um, but because we did that, it was, you know, it was a lot smoother. It went a lot better. It made finishing, which for a lot of people is one of the less desirable aspects of woodworking. It made that more enjoyable and take less time so Mm -hmm. yeah especially when you have when you don't have a lot of shop time um i feel like patience it may seem counterproductive because you're you're taking more of your time of your limited time in the shop to do things but if you're not frustrated while you're doing it you're going to enjoy it more than had you just been working straight through the whole time Certainly, um, certainly. Well, and it was like the other the other day, Sunday it was. I think I decided, you know what, I want a I want a little quick project that I can just bust out and be done with it. And and it was cool because my my wife and I actually worked on it together. I asked her if she wanted to to help me with it. It was a little um uh a little table to hold the dog dishes up off the floor because they always when you just leave them on the floor they end up all over the place like yep. just from wherever so building these this little table and we have one already for our bigger dog but we didn't we don't have one for the for the little dog so I was going to build this little table um and so we went right into it I asked my wife hey do you want to help me just build this it might be kind of fun to do together well 
So we spent probably three or four hours working on this thing. Was it because you listened to episode six, Family and Charity? It Actually, that did... No, I, yes. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. No, that actually did cross my mind. I thought, you know what? It's working. You know, I, I could I could do this for hours while she knits in the other room, or, you know, it's a table for the little dog. She would, you know, love to help with this. That's and, awesome. We did not so, plan this. For the record, you probably won't believe me, but we did not plan this beforehand. This is all organic. No, no, it, it, it it's true. Well, let me just say, that little doggy dining table is was burned in the wood stove everything again you know despite my best efforts everything went wrong and this and i think it was because i i didn't plan it out it was sunday sunday morning i thought okay i have the day to relax so after mass i just i'm gonna bust out this quick project right it's all it's it's a table it's a top it's four aprons and four legs uh what could go wrong and it um uh, one one thing led to another, and it just ended up uh, not not even being able to work. Yeah, in the end, but it was because I had this whole mentality of we got to rush, 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 got to get this done before the work week. Um, so I just dove right in without sort of taking any precautions or um, any any kind of uh, uh, planning stages to make sure that the things I was doing would would leave us with a table in the end instead of. Some you know, godforsaken creation. <laughs> now I will say one of the one of the nice things is my my wife actually got a taste of what I like to call shop time, and I just want I'll tell you, John, you Jonathan. I want to tell you because Adam already knows, but Jonathan, I'll tell you. So my wife has this thing where she says that I'm on shop time and what shop time means Ooh, is when I bet my wife knows about this too. She probably does. She probably does. <laughs> is when she says, Hey, how much longer are you going to be? <laughs> yep. And I yep. say something, you know, extremely naive such as, yeah, I'll be a half hour and I'm done. An hour and a half later, I'm coming up the stairs. <laughs> Right. Like or I'm she's... early. It's only been like 15 minutes, right? <laughs> That's right. Or she's yelling down the stairs like, "Honey." <laughs> so she started whenever she has to ask me a question like that, it's like, "Okay, how much time is it actually going to be?" But I will say, the one one of the fruits that came out of our little failed project on Sunday, other than us getting to spend the time together, which was very nice, uh was that she got a taste of what shop time was like you know she was she looked at the guy and said whoa it's six o'clock what have we been doing all this time and i said yep that's it having fun having fun having fun is what we've been building virtue (laughs) and wood (laughs) but yeah yeah but but you know and we've all experienced and this is where concupiscence comes in right Mm -hmm. how interesting is it that we all know how enjoyable the time can be if it's planned out and we follow our process to get to the end product. And I want to use the example of a pre pre-finishing mm. here, you know, like it, anybody says, I know Mike Pekovich is big on this. He says, pre-finish every, wherever you can, you pre-finish it before you assemble it. That is the exact opposite of my inclination. <laughs> I'm the same way. You're, are, are you Jonathan? And every time I'm like, dang it, I wish I pre-finished this. <laughs> Your, you got your finish like glopping in the little corners right. of your cabinet and whatnot. 
<laughs> but there's a that's a good example for me that you know we did it with the bunk beds mm-hmm. and it worked great you know it just it just went right together the the lines of the the wood you know where the, where the parts intersected were nice and crisp and right. clean right you know my gosh but but i know next time next time i'm gonna think to myself should i pre-finish this project <laughs> nah i'm really excited to see it together I'm gonna <laughs> glue it that's up. what it is <laughs> yeah well, it's hard because it's really exciting to see a project together, but that first coat of finish is also really super exciting. So I can see it going either way. True. Very true. Regardless, I think what's very important for us to keep in mind is the immortal words of Alabama. If I may quote, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Wow. (laughs) In case you couldn't tell, we also didn't plan that. I literally just looked that up on my phone because... I think it actually is pretty good. Um, (laughs) Incredible. I'm sorry. I think that's a first for the show, uh, quoting quoting a country song in the middle of the show. Um, But the thing is with like the rushing right is Mm -hmm. i mean that's how i used to do woodworking i I rushed to the end to get that like very very brief like exhilaration of oh the project's done it looks great and then that was it like and i'm back down to you know here and (laughs) versus there's so many opportunities to to be wowed and to and to really enjoy and find fulfillment in, in what you're doing if you just, instead of just rushing to the finish line and getting it done, you're enjoying the process, which requires patience, but it is so much more rewarding. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, one of the things that I always think about, or rather, one of the things that I never think about, and then sometimes it occurs to me that I should probably have been thinking about this, is wood is so beautiful. And it's so varied because it's organic. Like, you know, when you use something that's inorganic, you know, either a man-made material or something like like metal or um, something that's a little bit more consistent than wood, you kind of, like, you could make the same piece over and over again. And as long as you have, you know, a machinist's precision, it's going to look the same because the quality of the material is exactly the same. But with wood, it's could not be farther to the opposite of that because every piece of wood is unique. And one of the things that I picked up from um, Mike Wood's interview, which I just listened to again, uh, I'm I'm working my way. I finally caught up in my podcast listening to around the time when we started the podcast. So like, because I'm subscribed to us as well, now our podcasts are starting to come in, which is always disconcerting when I'm like driving in the car or something, listening to podcasts and I hear the dum. Dum, 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 dum. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. And then I start talking. And I'm like, um, but <laughs> so uh, I was listening. That's where all of our listeners are going. <laughs> it's us. It's been us. It probably time. is. <laughs> um, but in you know, in in Mike's interview, he was talking about how you know one of his favorite things about being a Sawyer is getting to see these beautiful, unique pieces of wood. And I thought. 
you know, it's great that he gets to see all of those, but every piece of wood that I work with is also beautiful and unique and organic, even though it may not be as beautiful and interesting as the stuff that he gets to see. Every piece of wood, I should be appreciative of every single piece of wood because I'm never going to see anything like it again. And That's a even good point. something as simple as that, if you keep that in mind while you're in the shop, I feel like that can bring us into this sort of enjoyment of the process and something that's going to prevent us from just rushing to the finish line and, you know, trying to get there before everyone else, um, which I feel like is, is the tendency for a lot of woodworkers. Well, I know Anne from Anne of All Trades talks about, I, I know she's talked about that a lot, you know, just the, uh, the enjoyment of working with the materials and just being in awe of the material itself as mm -hmm. this amazing created thing that, you know, man certainly has nothing to do with. Uh, and, and it's, it reminds us of our creator, uh, right. and all the amazing things that he creates. And, you know, to your point, yeah, no two pieces are the same. And I also, I'm fortunate enough to have Mike in my area, you know, a, a Sawyer, Lucky. And it is so, I know it's fantastic. <laughs> um, the, the other Adam on the Catholic man show was, I was messaging him back and forth as well about, you know, I, I told him, you know, the materials that I got for the bed and he was like, yeah, that would cost me like $2,000 at the, you know, at the lumber yard or whatever. Right. So, but oh, yeah. I mention it because that enhances the experience because I get to see more of the tree. Like I get to sure. see a board with two live edges on it. And I get to kind of more envision. And oftentimes he'll usually show me pictures of him cutting up the log. Cause he knows oh my gosh. when he cut the log, he knows like where it is in his feed and he'll be able to like scroll back and, Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's the picture of, uh, of, of me cutting that tree, you know, and so I get to oh see what the gosh. log looked like. And that's just that even, even more so brings out that, that joy. But, um, I, I definitely agree the, there's, there's all these different things that really, if we can focus on these things, really help us take our time. Uh, and I think makes it easier for us to be patient, you know, by focusing on, on these pieces that are so, so much fun. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, Jonathan, do, do you... I want to ask you, because I all of the projects I've done so far, I've never worked with beautifully figured wood. Like, I feel funny saying that, but it's, you know, I want to use oak for this project, so I buy a bunch of red oak or, yeah. you know, maple for this project. Um, do, do you find that... Um, do you find that the, the quality of the materials sort of brings out a new level of patience with you in working, you know, it, if you have it does. A... Okay. Uh, it does definitely because I don't, I don't want to mess it up, you know, like sure. if it's just this piece of plywood, I don't care as much. I, it's like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, it's not that I don't care. Well, it is. I don't care about the piece as much. Um, you know, the boxes that I'm working on right now, the, the design is fairly simple, but uh, I got some cutoffs from, from the, the walnut tree, uh, that weren't big enough for like a board that Mike gave me that were highly figured as far as it, it I mean, it's like just contortioning, like there's just 
cur- curves everywhere. It's not necessarily like traditional figure. It's just got all this crazy grain going on. Um, is, it, is it like crotch wood? No, it's, it, I think it was just in distress, like a, a part of the tree oh, that was okay. in distress. So it's like, it looks like it was crunched almost. So oh, it's very gosh. wavy. Can you put some pictures of that in the show? Notes? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, but I, I'm very careful with it. I'm taking my time because I don't have another piece like it. So if I screw it up, it's not like I just throw it in the scrap pile <laughs> without crying. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really do. And I've actually, you know, between more hand tools, m- higher quality materials, um, I have, I'm producing less projects. Like I'm not building as many things, but I'm, the things that I'm building are of, of much higher quality and no, just because I'm using nicer wood and just because I'm using hand tools doesn't inherently mean that I'm automatically, but it really, really, really does help because I care more. I care more about the project. I care more about the materials and, and definitely hand tools does kind of force me to slow down. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we wanted to volunteer as a way that we suggest to help you to be more patient in the shop is to plan while you're outside of the shop, which seems like a pretty basic thing. And probably a lot of you are doing that already. But I know personally, I've found that the more I think about what I'm going to do the next time I'm in the shop, the more smoothly things go when I actually get to the shop the next time. Um, Now, we're not saying, obviously, to think about woodworking 24-7 at the expense of the other aspects of your life that you need to be mindful of, but... I I think about woodworking 24-7. Okay, so don't listen to Daniel here. Um, But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it it can be helpful, especially if it's a a conundrum that you have. Um, Like, Daniel, you've mentioned being able to think about a problem that you encounter in the shop outside of the shop afterward. Oh, def- definitely. I, I really noticed that with the, the baptismal font that I made last year. Um, we'll put you a know, picture it, of that in the show notes too. Oh, thank um, it, it was, and I say that because it was one of the only projects that I've worked on for a really extended period of time. And I noticed that, you know, in the days that I wasn't working on it, I was really mulling over sort of the next process and how I'm going to go about, um, you know, this this next this next uh, task um, in order to make progress on this project. And um, I actually found that taking those few days in between really helped my creativity with, yeah, like you said, coming up with solutions that I would not have otherwise came up with. You know, if I was there in the shop just, uh, you know, working through it, I would have probably done something a little rash and maybe uh, perhaps ruined whatever it was I was working on instead gotcha. of uh, instead of really taking a step back. And this probably that probably goes away with experience, right? Uh, you, as you encounter well, more problems. I think uh, it depends on if you if you stop challenging yourself. Like I think I think Guy talked about it when when I did the interview with him of, you know, he'll spend if he didn't, then it was part of my, you know, the pre-conversation or the post-conversation. But he talked about he'll spend a great deal of time kind of mentally brainstorming and solving problems in his head or on paper or in SketchUp, um, you know, before actually putting the tools in action. Um, and I mean, that's I think you were giving me the silent nod at the beginning of the episode when I was talking about the the king bed I'm making 
because that's exactly what I'm doing. It's like, I don't know how there's two things that I'm trying to figure out and I haven't had the, I almost, I pick times where I can spend on those things, mental time. Like it's on my drive home or when I was flying out to San Francisco and back. Um, and it's almost like I, I wait for those opportunities to kind of mentally solve these problems. And until I do, I'm not probably going to go back to the project. Um, and again, this is learning from experience because there are plenty of projects where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. So I'm just going to try this thing that should work. And then, oh, no, nope, it's it's done. I'll have to <laughs> glue that back together. or. You know. <laughs> right. um, And again, without that patience, right, you end up wasting time uh, instead of waiting until you've, you know, you have the reasonable confidence uh, to to figure it out. And of course, sometimes it's like, well, there's no harm in it, right? I've got plenty of time. I'm just going to try a bunch of things and see what works. But that also is an act of patience um, because you are, you know, you want to get it right. And you know you're probably not going to get it right the first time, so you try a bunch of things to see what works best before you build the finished product. Right. Um, the other thing to bring up is, you know, woodworking is an organic process in and of itself, and wood is organic. And while that can be very beautiful, it can also be very frustrating and unexpectedly so. Um, because there are all kinds of internal stresses in the boards that we work with. And unless you are really, really solid and in your knowledge of grain, um, which that's one thing that I want to bring up when we talk about our featured craftsman for this episode. Mm. Um, this person I feel is very intimately connected with the grain of wood based on the kind of work that this person does. Um, you know, you can run into all kinds of things that you were not expecting and the wood will just move in ways that you didn't plan on it moving. And it's important, I think, to take that in stride, you know, and, and not to get too upset about it. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely. I think that it's, it's, it's planning your time and it's also spending some of that time preparing yourself to be in the shop mentally, preparing yourself to uh, breathe through it, <laughs> you know, to take <laughs> to take things in stride, you know. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely am not very good about taking that moment, you know, to, to make sure my head's in the right place before I start digging in and, and making cuts, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, though, that it's it's a healthy reminder because it's the oftentimes those things are out of our control. Like to some extent I have control, right? But there are times where it just behaves in a way that is unexpected. And that's part of this. And we can get really, really frustrated and throw the project. Um, or sometimes the best, you know, the best approach is just to take a deep breath and laugh about it, recognizing that you did the best you could and, I'm not saying this from experience. I'm simply telling everyone else to do this. Um, but I've had, especially in an un, an unheated, right? Not a temperature controlled shop. That mm-hmm. has happened to me several times where like the, the box that I, the, the box that I recently finished with the um, kind of the finger joints and the, and the mitered edges, the mitered yes. top and bottom piece. 
Awesome, um, by the way, Jonathan. Really thank enjoyed you. that. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Same here. So I I put it all together, and I was so excited because I got the magnets to line up perfectly. And so I pulled the lid up, and then I closed it, and it just snapped perfectly. I was like, yes, nailed it. I was so pumped. <laughs> so I ran inside. I showed my wife. You know, I was like, Carrie, Carrie, look at this. Check this out. And she's like, yeah, great. Because uh, I was like, she didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like, but see how see how well it climbs. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. And I so I put it on the kitchen counter. And, you know, after playing with it for like another 10 minutes, I go to bed. I wake up and the lid's open. Just like a quarter of an inch. I was like, what? Why are you? And I push it down close and it pops back up. It's like, oh, no. close. And it pops back up. Close. Pop it. I'm like, what is, why? Why is this <laughs> happening? I'm like, I, and then I was like, oh, the wood moved because I went from 40 degrees oh. in the shop to 70 degrees inside. Oh. So fortunately, um, really what ended up happening was. You just took it back outside. Yeah. Problem right? solved. It's, it's an outside box. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were making a mailbox. Neither did I. <laughs> um, but what I ended up doing was I, I just, I, I found the problem. It was the back edge, the, the two edges that join where the hinges are, uh, oh. that was pinching. So it was closing before the front of the box. Uh, gotcha. uh, and so all I did was I took the hinges off. I, I grabbed my, that new crafts or well, new to me craftsman plane with really, really, you know, do really, really fine shavings. And I just trimmed those down so that there was less space and there was room for to breathe and then put it back together. And 10 minutes later, well, let's see, 10 minutes of panic and then 10 <laughs> minutes of, okay, I can probably fix this. And it was, it was back to normal. Um, but I have had projects where like the first box I ever made, I made it for Matthew's first birthday. So this would have been five years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I brought it in. It was so excited about it. I wrapped it. And then when he unwrapped it on his birthday, the the whole thing had like bowed out oh. because I glued the bottom and the glue, gotcha. like the base glue was fine, but the rest, all the pieces just warped out and the whole box was Ugh. just, it was like, it looked like a flower had just bloomed. And I was like, oh, oh no. <sighs> <laughs> I don't even know what to do with you. <laughs> and, you know, those are... So there's things that I don't do now because I know that I'm not in a temperature-controlled shop. Um, sure. And, you know, it's it's a learning opportunity. And that's really the... It's really all you can do is, hey, I made a mistake. I wasn't being careless. I just didn't know that that was going to happen. I know now. And the next time I can plan for it. Mm-hmm. Well, and because so many things can go wrong unexpectedly, um, another thing that we found is, you know, while it's a good idea, it's a really, really good idea to plan your time in the shop while you're outside of the shop, it's also really important to take into account shop time, or at least yeah. our version of shop time, <laughs> and know that nothing's going to go exactly the way that you plan, and so it's important not to over plan your time in the shop. So if you have an hour to spend in your shop, plan for 40 minutes of woodworking because right. chances are you're going to still go over your hour. Um, but even if you don't, 
there's always stuff. There's always extra stuff to do in your shop. You can either move on to the next uh, task if it's something that you can get done in just a couple of minutes or clean your shop. I mean, we never like to clean our shop. And I think part of the reason for that is that we'd rather be woodworking. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've already completed all of the tasks that you had set for that day, then, you know, subconsciously, like your shop time is as good as over, but you have more time in the shop. So hopefully it won't be as big of a pain in the butt to go and clean something, you know, and you don't have to clean the whole shop, but just clean little bits of it at a time. And then it'll be less frustrating, you know, but so, so the idea is to plan for less time than what you actually have allotted because right. chances are you're going to fill it up anyway. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's great advice because again, right, then you're not rushing it. You're you're mm-hmm. you're doing a couple of things. First of all, you are holding good on most likely a commitment. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to spend some time in the shop, but I'm also going to spend time with my family. You know, so it's like, I'm going to go out in the shop. I'll be back, you know, I'll be back in and we'll, we'll do something together at, you know, four o'clock or whatever it is. Right. If I don't come back until six 30, well, you know, that's not, that's not cool. Um, right. and so I, one of the things that I try to do, I'm not always great at this, but if I know that I only have an hour, I think to your point, take the hour, right. Go work in the <laughs> right. shop, but right. pick something that you can stop at any time. Like when I'm surfacing boards, you know, dimensioning them, right. I don't, mm-hmm. I can stop that. I can, Oh, I'm uh, one more shaving. And then, and then I can pick it up where I left off. There's other things like in the middle of a glue up where not really. Right. So if you're, <laughs> if you know that you want to glue up a project, make sure you set aside ample amount of time so that you don't end up rushing it, losing your patience, getting frustrated, and then ruin the project. Right. There's a sub-assembly I did not mean to create. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This was all supposed to go together at the same time. Right. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we want to, we, we want to, you know, put the ball in your court as our listeners, and we want to give you our challenge question. So uh, we kind of have broken the challenge question into two parts here. First of all, what methods of preventing impatience do you use? And, and second, second of all, when you do lose patience while woodworking, what do you do to be more patient in those situations? Yeah, because I have a feeling we're all running into the same problems or the same kinds of problems. And some of us probably have really good ways of dealing with those situations. So the more we can talk about this, and, you know, share your own methods for keeping patients, um, the better it's going to do, uh, the better service it's going to provide for the rest of the woodworking community. We can all help each other in this way. Um, well, and especially for, you know, I, I know we've got some listeners who are full-time woodworkers that yes. do this for, it's either a side job or a full-time job. We'd also really love to hear from you because clear, you know, we realize that what we're talking about here is how we handle this virtue or we try to do this virtue uh, as hobbyists, but I'm sure that it's probably very different for those who do this full time and we'd you know love to hear from you guys as well. Definitely. So that brings us to the next portion of the show, which is something that all three of us, I think, are very excited about, and that is this episode's featured craftsman. So Daniel, who is our featured craftsman this episode? I get to say it? You get to say it. Oh, this is wonderful. The featured craftsman for this week is Mary May, expert woodcarver. Yes. I hope she appreciates that title. I just gave it to her. 
I, I gather from my limited correspondence with her that she is rather humble and she would probably fight you on that but uh i'm i'm willing to i think <laughs> the community will back that. us on this one yeah i think so <laughs> she may not like it but that's the title she's gonna get so <laughs> i have so, to admit that when you guys told me i was like well that sounds really great i don't know who this person is and and adam was like and this what? is over this is over chat right so it's just texting back and forth but i could hear it in his voice he's like are you serious <laughs> where where have you been what's are you are you okay <laughs> but i you know i looked her up and I, I mean i have one of my one of my aspirations is so when i was out in san francisco i i went to uh, several of the the catholic churches out there but one that really struck me was uh uh what was it uh, saint dominic's yes beautiful cathedral they had the most incredible wood carvings I've ever seen. And I thought to myself, these must have been done, you know, at least a hundred years ago, because I don't know any, anyone who is capable of doing this type of carving in, you know, modern day. Um, and then I saw her work. And I was like, I bet you, she could do this. Um, <laughs> and could, and probably has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very excited just to speak with her, uh, you know, uh, because it's something that I have, been increasingly drawn to that I want to get into because I'd really like to uh, develop those skills and get to a point where I'm capable of doing some of those basic types of carvings myself um, and, you know, build on those skills over time and, and get to the point where I'm, I'm fairly good at it. You know, I know that might take me 30 years. I don't care. Uh, But I'm very, very, uh, drawn to it. I, I mean, the work is mesmerizing. Uh, yeah. it is, it is such a beautiful art and so, you know, it's, it's all the same thing, right? You're, you're removing material, but it is so unique and different from traditional furniture making. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different aspects of woodworking and, and this is one that we haven't really gotten a chance to explore. None of us certainly are experts, uh, at this and uh very looking f- very much looking forward to speaking with her mm-hmm. yeah well and i think mary may if you don't mind if i continue to gush for a little bit yes no, mary's mary may is your craftsman here because she she well first of all she learned from uh the the gentleman uh she learned from was was greek if i remember right and and he actually did carve churches <laughs> and, really and, yeah yeah and um um she's got it i'll leave it for the interview but she's got a great story one of the things I love about Mary May is she has just a, a a very genuine love for the craft, and this is her business, right? She teaches classes and um, has a a really great um, site where you can subscribe to her videos where she takes you through carvings and whatnot. Well, she has a lot of free content out on the web to um, YouTube yes. and elsewhere um, that's geared toward beginners. And she goes everything through, you know, gouges, different types of gouges, teaching you what, what they are and what they're used for, how to sharpen them, how to maintain them. And then she has um, several full-length carving videos where she um, takes you through these sort of simple objects that display a lot of different techniques so that she can show you how to do the, 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 the various carvings. And what amazes me about those videos is mm-hmm. she talks 
while she's carving. Like it's not yes. it's she does not she does not dub her sound <laughs> back over the video. Like it's live. It's her carving and and talking to you while she's carving as natural as you can imagine. It's in Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Well, we should we should say there, um, in at, at Mary May's uh, online carving school, um, she has free membership and then she has paid membership. There is no valid excuse for any of our listeners not going right now and signing up at least for a free membership. Right. Because even if you're not interested in carving at all on your own, like if you're not interested in doing it yourself, you can appreciate the techniques that Mary displays and her just, like you said, it's it's effortless, or at least she makes it seem effortless, and you know that it's the farthest thing from effortless, and she's spent goodness knows how many hours doing this and, and learning and practicing these skills. But, it, you know, really, there's no excuse for not going and checking her stuff out. Um you know, you may you may learn some things about wood grain. You know, we talked about grain direction earlier, and I said I wanted to bring it up when we talked about our featured craftsman. I mean, that was one of the things that got me thinking about wood grain, even in non-carving situations. You know, especially if you're any kind of a hand tool user at all, if you use them either purely hand tool or if you're you do hybrid or if you just keep a couple around that were your grandfathers or whatever um you know hand tools especially are susceptible to wood grain and it's really fascinating to to look at these videos and see you know what she does to maneuver around the grain and how she reads the grain in a board and the kinds of things that you can do to to um you know to cut the grain in the way that you want it to be cut as opposed to the way that it's going to make your chisel go you know because it's um going in that direction so it's it's just it's fascinating and wonderful just beautiful intricate work whether you're interested in it yourself or not check it out yeah yeah and what what a great craftsman to have for an episode on patience also Uh, yeah anytime but especially uh for patience Yeah. yeah when when i um when i reached out to mary to ask her if she wanted to do an interview for us um, and to let her know we were going to feature her. She said, I'd be happy to help, uh, but I struggle with patience in everything other than carving. Uh, (laughs) 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 That's okay. Again, the disclaimer is that none of us are experts on these things, but it's something that that I feel like she would have a lot of great stuff to say to, um, well, to the three of us, but also to you guys, our listeners. Uh, And so we're really happy that... um, Hopefully within the next week or so, we're going to be recording an interview with her and uh, as we've done for all of our featured craftsmen and we're going to be releasing that um, hopefully next week. <laughs> next Friday we'll release it. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. It's it's it, I know it's going to be a great interview. Looking forward to it. Great. Well, our next episode is to be determined. Yes. Uh, we will be uh, spending the next week or so doing some planning. We're very excited about that. Uh, looking at, you know, we've got a, we've got a, uh, a growing list of, of different topic ideas, but, uh, it might be a thing where, you know, for the next several episodes, we don't know yet. Well, you'll just have to wait and find out. Uh, uh, but we, we certainly appreciate uh, all of you listening and contributing. Uh, you can find more about us on arborvitaepodcast.com or on Instagram, uh, at arborvitaepodcast as well as Facebook. You can find myself, Jonathan, at The Catholic Woodworker on Instagram. Uh, You can find Adam at Catholic Composer. And you can find Daniel at Daniel Charles Taylor. 
So thank you again for listening and stay virtuous. that in two ways sorry guys i i don't even know where i'm going with this <laughs> that's okay the i thought you were doing me. well yeah <clears throat> I, did, I didn't honestly know that you were faulting ah oh, all right yeah we'll try again oh. we've never had an outtake before you've ruined our streak right right <laughs> perfect adam doesn't doesn't even know how to edit it so i don't i've never had to edit before <laughs> I like save it and then upload it to the website. It's always perfect every time. Point and click. <laughs> At least now we have a good outtake. No, that's yeah, right. That's true. That's right. Oh, all right. And now the music comes in. Yep. Dum 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 dum. Okay, so maybe I'll start there then. Okay. Like after that or with that? With that. And we'll go on three or after three. I hate you. <laughs> and and the reality is, if you get stuck, just look at one of us, and we'll start babbling. Very good. We babble very well. Very good. We're very almost good. better babblers than we are woodworkers. Yep. Well, I am. Jonathan's a better woodworker. So I almost said. I almost said when you were like, "I never use plans." I part of me really wanted to say, "Plans are a competence tool." For whatever reason, Phil Lowe or anyone close to him actually listens to this. I didn't want to offend anyone. So You'll notice that we're nearly the same person with just enough variety to keep it aggravating. Right. I mean, interesting. So, uh. <laughs> so our first... I'm saying so a lot. Do you think that's going to be annoying to people? Probably not. But I'm also not going to cut this out, so I'd keep going. <laughs> You're out of cuts, man. Yeah. Keep it rolling. Everybody gets Keep one. Everybody gets one. Tell them, Jonathan. Yep, exactly. And you're out, so keep going. All right. Our first... I got this. <laughs> so our first topic... Uh, no, topic's patience. Okay, Daniel, our exit song is only so long. <laughs> so I can only choose a couple of clips, all right? Quit giving us material for the end credits. That's the thing. Is so we have... Uh, we actually have two challenge questions here wait hold um, on you want to say hi yeah say hi to him hi hi, hi. did they hear me yeah i'm here yeah we can hear you you can't hear us though yet hi headphones on he's always wanted What's to he... use this microphone <laughs> tell him tell him what your name is matthew hi matthew and what do you have with you what's in your hands um a lego guy bin Nice. Yeah. I just need help finding Luke Skywalker's head. See, this is important right here. Uh, I think Matthew should be able to fuck it. All right. Daniel Daniel just said that Matthew should be our next guest host. I think so, too. Matthew, what are you doing? I'm trying to find Luke Skywalker's head. (laughs) It's a keeper. It's a keeper. That's got to be on the outtakes, too. I'm weird in that... I make these really cool Lego guys that, you know, that wear the pants and the shirt and like it, it looks, they look really, really cool. And then I, I go in the next day and I'm like, where's his pants? 
Like, what happened here? Where, where's the cool head? The guy with the beard. Where's my pants? And I've also gotten caught on numerous occasions playing Legos and Carrie comes up. She's like, where's Matthew? I'm like, uh, he was just in here a minute ago, I think. I don't know. I blacked out. And so that brings us to the next portion of our show, which I think all three of us are really excited about. Yes. Uh, and that is our featured craftsman for the episode, for the week, for the, the two weeks. Yep. Um, that was silly. And so that brings us to the next episode. Nope. <laughs> now we're going to start right now. Yep. We don't know the topic, but let's just we'll go. <laughs> the next episode is Blabbering. Uh, something that we, at, for once, all three of us are experts on. So that brings us to the next topic. No. Cheesy Pete's. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I'm rushing, rushing to-